Good morning out there, everyone. Good morning to you wherever you are, whether you are on the East Coast, West Coast, some other part of the world. Uh, we want to wish you a very, very um, happy Saturday. And um, we are super excited that you're joining us for this show. I am really excited about this show because uh, I cannot even believe that uh, with the Coffee with Rhonda show, we are at the end of season two. This is our season finale, and it is going to be a good one. You don't want to miss it. So this is episode 12, and today we're going to talk about a very, very um, happy day, and um, we are still what is happening. Why does that happen? Something is talking in the background. Stop it. All right. So um, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about what it means to be a black man in America today. And but we want to look at that not only from the perspective of the incidents and the things happening in today's world, um, but also what it means to just be a husband, a dad, a businessman, um, some of the lessons that you learn and that you take away from that. So we're really excited about the conversation that we're going to have on the show today. And um, as we always do, before we get to our introductions, just a few housekeeping items. First of all, if you're out there, if you're watching, we want you to tell us um, who you are, where you're watching from, and don't forget to tell us what's in your cup. Uh, we'll go through that in just a minute. Um, I also have a big ask. I want you, if you're out there, this is gonna be an amazing conversation. I want you to like the video, share the video, and most importantly, don't forget to comment. This show really thrives on your comments and we pull you into the conversation. You can help us uh, drive the direction of the show. So we want you to add your comments out there as well. And then we wanna be sure that um, when you get a chance, you go over to the YouTube page and you like the page. Okay, enough of all that housekeeping stuff. So let's get into it. So my name is uh, Rhonda Y. Williams. I am the host for, you, for the show and uh, I'm an emotional intelligence strategist and a leadership coach and I help leaders shift from overwhelmed to overjoyed, from stuck to unstuck, so that they can create consistently positive results in their life and business. So that's who I am, that's what I do today. I have my Coffee with Rhonda cup, and I am drinking strawberry kiwi uh, tea. I'm actually drinking cold tea this morning, which is uh, usually not something I do first thing in the morning, but I'm drinking cold tea this morning. So that's who I am. And that's what's in my cup. We are going to get to our introductions. We have our other co-host that's joining us now. So I'm going to go ahead and bring her up on the screen as well. Woohoo! And we are all here, guys. We are about to rock and roll. So that's who I am. That's what's in my cup. Let's go through our amazing guests, and then I'll come to my two amazing co-hosts. So, Mr. Vaughn, welcome back to the show. Tell us who you are. Tell us a little bit about you, you know, the family setup. You got, you know, a, a wife and kids, and then tell us what's in your cup. Thank you for having me again, Rhonda. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to join you. Um, can you guys hear me? We can hear you. Okay. So uh, again, I'm Vaughn Jackson, also known as the Love Alchemist. That's the uh, nickname my wife gave me. And basically what I do is I help couples, uh, married and unmarried, find a the, the least path of resistance toward harmony in their relationship. I also help singles discover the best um, complementary match for them in their pursuit of relationships, as well as discovering what is the uh, greatest challenge for them in their relationship. Uh, I'm a married man. I've been married for 30 years. I'm a father of four. I'm a grandfather of five. Wow. And uh, life is a peach. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a ball. 
Wow, father, four, grandfather, five, married for 30 years. Whew, I'm single. We may have to talk later. I'm going to get on that love alchemist schedule there. <laughs> you teach me a few things. So thank you so much, Vaughn, for joining. Where's your cup? What you got in your cup? Uh, in my cup, I have yerba mate. This is the love alchemist cup. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you so much. Let's come to you, Mr. Mario. So uh, we want to know a little bit about you. Welcome to the Coffee with Rhonda show. It's my pleasure to be here when if in the with the Coffee with Rhonda show. It's a <laughs> wonderful thing. I'm Mario Lewis. I am an industrialist and an entrepreneur. Uh, I've been in industry for over 35 years. I have my own personal business also in real estate where I own several properties. Uh, I am a motivational speaker, uh, a co-author, uh, author of the book, Live Your Best Life. You only get one. Mm. So uh, it's nice. just a wonderful thing, right? Yeah. So I'm, you know, my objective in life is to be able to, to be a, a light in a dark place. Uh, I want to be a light in a dark place so that uh, my motto is service is the price I pay for the space I occupy. So my objective is to be able to serve those in in, in and around the community that, that I live in. So it's great to be here this morning. I certainly appreciate you for affording me an opportunity to be on this most prestigious show. Awesome. So, Mario, you married, you have children and then tell yeah. us what's in your cup. Yes, I'm married to my lovely wife, Carla. Uh, we've been married for 11 years. Uh, she is certainly the better half of me. Uh, I have two adult children, Mario Lewis II and Chelsea Lewis, and both of them reside in Texas. And what I have in my cup, I have my Happy Life cup. Mm, nice. And I have peach and lemon. Oh, very nice. All right. Peach and lemon mix. So it's good to be here. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Welcome to the show. All right. On to Mr. D.B. Bedford. Hello. Hello. I am so excited that you're here on the show. I've been wanting to get you on the show for a minute. A fellow emotional intelligence um, idealist and strategist and all of that stuff. So welcome. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, and then tell us what's in your cup. All right. Well, good morning to everyone. My name is D.B. Bedford, and I'm an emotional intelligence consultant coming to you from Oakland, California. Um, I've been married almost 10 years. Um, I have five children and a grandfather to two. Um, what in my cup? You said what's yeah. in my cup? Well, I have a cup. I got like a little, what you, whatever, what do you call these things? Thermal or whatever. Thermal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so I have some tea in here, some... Uh, with some turmeric and ginger, the actual turmeric and ginger powder inside of it, of a little bit of honey. And uh, been in the business now for about 10 years as well. And um, I'm excited to just the opportunity to come and just kind of, um, you know, have a good conversation with you guys, bring some good energy to the conversation and, uh, you know, and enjoy the morning. Wonderful. You got me up so early. <laughs> I know it's early for you over there on the West Coast, so we sure appreciate you getting up and spending a little time with us. So thank you, DB. Um, so let's go to our amazing co-host. You guys, I can't believe we're at the season finale. Uh, let's start with you, Roz. I can't believe anyone out there wouldn't know who you are by now, but just in case, tell them who you are and then what you got in your cup. <laughs> 
Good morning, good morning, good morning. I am Roz Jones. I live in Jacksonville, Florida, of course, bringing you sunshine from the Sunshine State. I am the CEO and owner of Jacksonville's Best Caregivers, where we provide four levels of specialized care to your loved ones, sitter, homemaker and companion, home health aide, and certified nursing assistant. Everybody knows my mantra, when you can't do it all, give, give us a call. call. And in my cup, <laughs> I have... Uh, I have peppermint. I have uh, a peppermint tea. I have honey, and I have lemon. So that's what I have. Nice, nice. Thank you so much, Miss Roz. And on to you, Marae. Good evening to you in the down under. Tell us a little Good bit about evening, you what you have. <laughs> yeah, I'm Marae. Marae Tilekim. I'm based in Perth in Australia. So it's almost Sunday on my side. So it's going to be early morning. I'm. Uh, I'm a. Uh, energy expert and also, I'm also a coach. Uh, I branch out to coaching and I'm the CEO of the Bereit to the Kima Global Leadership Organization where we help individuals to take control of their results to become the best version of themselves. I'm also an author, I'm a mom and I'm, I've been married for 21 years and I'm also a grandmother of two. Mm. Wonderful, Marie. what you got in your cup? Oh, I got a green tea to keep oh. me awake until the end of the uh, the show. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And so, you know, for me, I, um, I am a mother of three. I have three adult sons. Um, I have another son that I call my adopted son. I moved to Florida and picked up a son. Who knew? I don't know how that happened. But uh, anyhow, um, I'm based now uh, at, back in Texas, just outside of Dallas. And I have five grandchildren uh, also. So it is wonderful to see all of you this morning. And then we're going to have a conversation. So first things first, our guests are and our um our uh, participants and the, those that watch the show are so important to us. So Desiree was out there. She said, good morning, everyone. So let's see how this works. Okay, that works out great. Um, so good morning to you, Desiree. Don't forget to tell us what you got in your cup out there and where you're based. I love seeing our folks from around the world that are watching. Carla's out there. This is the beautiful Carla. This is, you know, our wonderful Mario's beautiful wife. So she's out there watching this morning also. And then Nicole is out there. She says, happy Saturday. Glad to join and be enlightened. Thanks for the invite for, to Mario and Carla. So uh, just had mega runny pop poop. What is that? I have no idea what that was. <laughs> Weird. That's what that was. And um, okay, so let's get to our conversation. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, this is sort of a quasi part two. Last week, we had a wonderful conversation um, on the show where we talked about racial injustice. And <clears throat> it was really focused on, um, just one second. The topic of the show was focused on the racial injustice and um, how we all felt about that, sort of what our takeaways were. And then um, a bit of a call to action and how we move the conversation forward. What can we do to change things? So. One of the questions we asked on last week's show was, is it okay to not be okay? So we went through, we responded to that. We, you know, sort of stepped into that and leaned into that a little bit more. After the show, I found myself, I, I got through the show fine, which I wasn't sure that I would. 
I got through the show fine. And after the show, I found myself in this moment of overwhelming emotion. And just for a moment now, emotional intelligence strategists and all that stuff, I get it. But I looked outside and my family was over and there were seven black men or boys outside in my yard. And they were in the pool, they were grilling, they were having a great time. And I just got a little bit overwhelmed for a moment thinking, oh my goodness, these are the very men that are so important to me, so valuable in my life, but yet there's a part of our society that does not value and respect them as people. And so I did a short live stream on that because I thought it was important to follow up to the show where we asked the question, is it okay to not be okay? And I wanted to show that it was interesting. So that moment of, of um, emotion that I had was very surprising to a lot of people that know me, who see me as the person who always keeps it together, who see me as a person who is you know, always standing tall and lifting others up. And some did not quite know how to respond to me outwardly showing that emotion. So I wanna pick up on that now and carry that forward into our conversation. And I wanna just ask um, first, and we're gonna give uh, Roz and Marae a chance to um, ask you guys some of the things that they have on their mind. But I want you to start with, where are you today? And just what are your overarching thoughts and responses to the situation we're having? We've got this situation with George Floyd that happened. Um, we have, you know, things happening like, you know, Chappelle versus Lemon and, you know, all of these things that are now floating around in the universe. So where are each of you men at with this situation and just share your thoughts with us. And DB, I'm going to start with you on this. Okay, right on. So, I mean, you know, for me, I actually did a video that probably similar to you. I didn't see your video, but when all this happened, I did a video that actually said that I'm not okay. And uh, as as someone who leads a community, whenever I feel something, uh, I always suspect that other people might be feeling the same thing. And so sometimes I like to be transparent to give people permission to start to move the energy in their life forward. And so um, I, I, I basically my position was is that I was caught between. Do I play it safe? and just focus on me and mine or do i play it aggressive right get out there on the front lines or somewhere in between i didn't really know how to respond me someone personally unfortunately i'm no stranger to police brutality in the in the world that i grew up in and the side of the law that i grew up on the first part of my life my engagement with police was just like that um Obviously I survived, but I've had some very horrible encounters with the police. So it also brought back some of those memories that I tried to get past. And so then it just loyal, it came down to uh, my level of responsibility. You know, everybody has different roles and how they're gonna respond. And so I kept thinking about, okay, what can be my contribution to what's happening right now? And so it took me, I don't know, maybe about four or five days. I probably was like you after you got off camera, like I uh, wanted to present myself as if I was just in forward motion, but you know, my creativity was uh, you know, a little stagnant. I wasn't as motivated. And so I was just kind of just floating through the days for a few days. Uh, and I, cause I couldn't find a purposeful way to uh contribute to what's happening and uh where i'm at today i'm better i'm actually decided just to write another book on the subject matter 
Um, I wanted to continue to be responsible and lead uh, the community that I serve. And so I, I just, you know, I just started writing another book. Um, I started helping people just process uh, their um, their feelings around it and getting people to understand that um, it's okay. You could, I think the, I think the, the thing that holds people up, they, they want to move forward, but they feel like they can't because all this stuff is going on. And right. so I realized that was the conversation that people kept having. Like they want to be happy. They want to have a good day, but then they like we feel guilty or conflicted. Like, how can I feel good with all that's going on? And when I started hearing that response, then I said, okay, now I know how I can help. And so I, still, I started helping people process that, that feeling that they were having so they can kind of free themselves and stop being emotionally hijacked by everything that's going on. So I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a better space today. Last week, the conversation probably would have been different, but I feel better today. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, thank you so much, DB, for sharing that and for that transparency, because I think probably all of us have felt some variation, a little bit of that. Um, and I love how you took the time that you needed um, to come to terms with it and to uh, handle it in your own way. I think that's so important. And so, um, so Vaughn, you know, where where are you right now with this and, and how how what is your first of all, your reaction to just the state of affairs? And then how do you process through it? Uh, very similar to DB, um, you know, as as time goes on, you know, it. I don't want to say it stings less, but you know, you, you kind of get, you grow more accustomed to the reality of what might've just happened. And, you know, I, I think if, if you're in this place, if you're in America or anywhere on this planet right now, you, if you have a pulse, you're going to feel some level of frustration about what's going on. Uh, and James Baldwin said something to the effect that to be conscious and a Negro in America is to be, enraged almost all the time and so there there's this this duality where um we're, we we're trying not to be angry because we know that that kind of dulls our senses right it kind of dims our light but at the same time um i think anger is is a natural response to what we're experiencing and so to me the question is much more about what do we do with that anger or that frustration? How do we direct that? And so then it, and, and then in that effort, it becomes much more about the constructive directing of those emotions rather than being dismissive of them or trying to suppress them or trying to even pretend as if we don't have a very natural reaction to some things that shouldn't be happening to us. So that's a long way of saying I'm a lot better today, um, but there's still a fire. I'm still pretty lit about what's going on and it's, it's not new it's just being televised um so wow that. thank you thank you Vaughn um for sharing that and uh it, I think it is that allowing yourself to understand your emotion to feel that to know that you are human and however you feel is how you feel and that's okay and then getting to that point where you can pivot and move to um, some constructive way, whatever that looks like or feels like to you um, is so important. So Ma Mario, where are you uh, with this situation and share your thoughts? Well, to have a situation happen, uh, the things that we've experienced over these last several days, I think it's almost an upheaval, uh, upheaval of emotions in all of us. And I found that I, I found my place having a sobering moment 
because <clears throat> I think we have to be able to digest what has happened and be able to collect our thoughts on what do we need to do to move forward. Um, being a black man in America today, what amazes me is the things that happened with Mr. Floyd have, have been happening for many years. They've been happening for, for centuries. It's just that now in the age of digital, digital technology and the like, that a light has shined on it. You know, we're at a place where videos are everywhere. You know, you can't avoid the video. But what I, where I find myself, myself in particular is how do I digest it? Because I understand that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we know scripture that says we need to protect our heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. So what I have to do is I have to protect myself from seeing that video. I had to turn the TV off because in the other things that I do in, in protecting, protecting my wife and my family and, and being, a steady, being in a steady place, I found that when I looked at that video, it, it was almost as if I would be enraged. But if I have to be in, if, if I'm enraged by looking at the video, I have to protect myself. I have to put a protection, a guard around my heart. So I have to guard my heart for what's going in it because I need to be the stabilizing force for those people around me. I need to, I need to be the example. And, and um, it's unfortunate that in so many years, even uh, I'm 55 years old, in so many years, brutality has happened to us in every corner. And, and the way that we're, we're, we are um, displayed by media, the, the way that we're portrayed by media, many times it's not in a positive light. So what I have to do is I have to make, I have to see what I can do to be the example. Because when I see people out there rioting, I guess I have mixed emotions because I wonder, is that really the answer? When some of the people that, that, that are losing businesses are people that look like me, is that really the answer? Is there a better way for us to be able to channel those emotions? Is there a better way for us to be able to do that? So that's that's where I find myself in, in the wake of uh, this tragedy that happened a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Thank you um, for sharing that. And I'm gonna go um, to Roz and Murray and, and you guys. Uh, so that you can either um, bring up a topic that you'd like the, the guys to sort of give their thoughts on um, or ask a question. Um, but I really want a lot of this to be about you all and the men, the black men in our lives are so important um, for our family unit, for our just our progress as a culture and a people. And we have to be able to uplift each other and show ourselves in a more positive light, which is a part of what um, I want us to do here today. Cheryl is out there. She's one of our faithful watchers. Thank you so much for tuning in, Cheryl. We appreciate you. She says, greetings, everyone. So, um, so Murray, um, your thoughts for the guys. Uh, I just want to come back to, I mean, what happened to Mr. Floyd and I actually have, you know, um, I had different experiences as well, you know, that was not just between, you know, um, white and black people. Uh, I've actually witnessed in, uh, in South Africa, uh, black people burning other black people because mm. they're not from their country. And it was even more horrible that I, you know, what we saw right now. And 
my you know my um what what i really want to say is that you know we all need to yes reflect on all of this but as long as we're not you know united as black people it's going to be very difficult and it starts as well with us african now you know being in control of the continent to show the example and mostly you know men being in power to show the example to love our brothers and then you know you get this respect that is translated to where black people live i mean like in america or everywhere because mm -hmm. if already in the continent we don't respect ourselves we we so we we show this you know this hatred it becomes very difficult for somebody from from another race to actually take us seriously so that starts with that but it doesn't actually um, you know, negate whatever has happened in the U.S. I mean, it's, 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 it's a complete injustice. But for me, I mean, I was, I was also, you know, very angry when I saw that. But then I started to think about, because I, I've traveled, you know, almost everywhere, I started to think about how, you know, black people and men in general, you know, behave in different, in different, in different countries, in different regions. And I came to the conclusion that we have to do a lot of work on ourselves, you know, and mm -hmm. understand, yes, you know, it is happening, but why and what can we do together and not just leave to black American in, 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 uh, in America? How can we do as black people, you know, to really, you know, make sure we have some power and we can and we change things? And I think it starts with respecting ourselves, respecting our brother, because when we respect our brother, it means that we love ourselves and then we are united and it becomes very difficult to, to, uh, to be you know, a victim all the time because you know right. that you have a power and the power is there. That's awesome, Marae. I think that's such an important point. So um, I always like to acknowledge our guest. Cheryl says, great response, sir. We should not have to feel angry all the time. And she's referring to what you mentioned, um, Mario, when you talked about guarding your heart, you know, and that's okay to put yourself in that protective spot. I'll be honest, I can't watch the video. I watched it once, I can't watch it again. I just, I, I, and that's a part of that guarding and protecting yourself. I don't need to watch it over and over again for me to understand what I witnessed that first time um, and how it made me feel and the place that it put me in. Keith says, hi guys from the UK, this was a terrible thing what happened and I support you guys all the way. Thank you so much, Keith. Thank you for tuning in from the UK. And then Cheryl said hello to everybody. Hello, Roz. Hello, Marae. And hello, Rhonda. So, um, so you brought up a really important point, and I don't want to dive into it quite yet because I think it's so huge. I want to go to Roz first and give her an opportunity to share some thoughts. But uh, someone hold on to this for me. When you talk about coming together, Marae, as a people, I was just having that conversation with my son because I was on um, – a radio uh, broadcast the other morning, and, and I said something about black people. Mm -hmm. And then one of the respondents said, well, you know, I don't really like to use the term black people. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe you prefer African-American or maybe you prefer, and then the term was, well, you know, we're, we're darker. I, 
I think a part of the conversation starts with what do we even call us, right? We're not even in unity in terms of who we are. And maybe that's okay, you know, and maybe that's a part of it. Maybe that is okay for us all to not know that. But I, I, I'm like, how do we come together? I think about that in, in the framework of coming together as one people. Who are we? And then how do we expect for others to know who we are and to how to treat us and respond to us if we don't know that? So anyway, sit sit with that for a moment and anyone can respond to it in just a second. I'm going to go to Roz first, then I'm going to go back around with the the guys. Roz? Um, I I guess like everybody else, we all have had emotions and, and said, well, what am I supposed to do? As I listened to everyone, we were talking about levels of responsibility, not only collectively, but individually. Individually, I have to start at my house. I have to start with responsibility and protection, everything at the house first. Then from the house, then, you know, of course we move on to any local groups, any other, you know, uh, organizations that we know that we can impact on a local level and then move up nationally. And as I talked about last week, will we remember in November what happened, you know, here, you know, in, in, in the month of May and June, will we remember? And then too, you know, like everybody else, I'm not gonna say like everybody else, I'm gonna say like for me, I cried. I had, I, I felt like I had a nervous breakdown, but then I had to take my anger and use it as a vaccination to heal. I had to do that. And then my next step is, is that I have nephews and I have, you know, my dad and I have a brother and I have male cousins and then, you know, my question has been as I'm talking to my male family or friends and and I want to bring it to the guys today. What as women can we do that we may not be asking you, what can we do to support you and to lift you up during this time? Because, you know, a lot of the to me, not, not only is the attack just on on just people's rights in general, but then as always as black males, I just feel like so much is on you guys. And, you know, is this something that we're not doing as a sister, as a friend, as a wife, as a work colleague, as a Facebook friend? What is it? What else can I do? What else can I do, you know, to help my black male uh, family or friends. What else can I do? What else can I do? Yeah. That's where I am. Okay. And so Roz, let's let's take that question and, and, and ask the fellas, what, what can we do? And you can comment on that or anything else. So the way that the show rolls, you know, you'll, we'll, all kinds of threads are going to come out. This thing will be like an octopus before it's over. So you can pick up on whatever thread you like. Um, and Mario, I'm going to start with you. Is there something that we can do as as Black women and sisters and friends? And is there something else that we can do? And then you can comment on anything else you heard, Mario, as well. Well, I think that what we have to do is we have to be able to capitalize on what's going right. Well, we understand where attention goes, energy flows where attention goes, energy flows, and it's a law. And so it expands. And I think that we have to understand that law in order to be able to operate within the confines of it. So, so many times uh, we we attend to those things that didn't go right. We attend to those things that didn't go right. And when we attend to that, more things that didn't go right show up. 
But the same principle, when it's a law, it works in reverse. So if I had anything to ask is to look at those, look for those things that your, your father, your children, your brothers are doing right and being able to commend us on what we're doing right so that more of what is what we're doing right will show up. So it's, it's a matter of understanding universal law and operating within the confines of those law because that's when we move into absolute mastery. And that's where we wanna be. And shows like this, I think, can have the ability to break down walls of containment because they provide a platform for us to be able to express where we are. But we need to understand the law and the law says where attention goes, energy flows and it expands. So we have to be careful what we attend to, even in a time like this, where we're in the wake of such a tragedy, we still have to be able to attend to that so that more things can go right. So I just certainly appreciate you for having that appetite. I love that. I love that response. So Cheryl says self-awareness and self-care is critical during this time. Absolutely, Cheryl, both, both are critical during this time. Um, and I love that, attend to what is going right. See, we have a tendency to be perfectionists, right? We want everything. We can have a brother who is amazing, but there's this one thing that he does that drives me crazy. And I'm gonna talk about that thing all day, every day, because that's the thing that drives me crazy. Like, it's like, yo, you're awesome, but stop doing this. What about all of the awesome? What about focusing on the awesome? And how about this? Not expecting ourselves um, or others to be perfect. Vaughn, I'm going to come to you because you touched on this on the last show that you were on where you talked about, I can never remember exactly how you put it, but uh, I'm going to ask you to say it again because it was so awesome. And it really, it really speaks to where we are today, how we have a tendency to have these really lofty high expectations of others, but we're cool where we are, right? We're, we're, hey, I'm okay. Cause this is me. I'm going to keep it 100 for me, but for you, you need to fix all of these other things because you got all these problems. <laughs> yeah, the quote went something like this. Uh, we tend to give ourselves all the time and grace we need to evolve while expecting the other person to be a finished product right now. Mm. And so uh, just to answer, there's a couple of different things you guys said that um, I love what Mario was talking about as far as standing guard at the doorway of your mind. I mean, that is so critically important to just be mindful of the the garbage in garbage out right and so i didn't even watch the video i saw the pictures i heard the stories i read about it but i i didn't want to watch it i've seen enough black men dying at the hands of police i've seen enough black men being slain period so i don't need to see more of that to understand what's going on it's really just a continuation of what's been going on so um i'm going to filter that out just and use that story as a measure of where we are right now in society. That's one. Um, I think it was Murray who mentioned the idea of, of coming together. And um, I, I think that we have to be mindful that there's always a, there's a consistent opposition to us coming together, mm. right? And, and I don't know that it's necessary that we get mad about that, as much as it is that we recognize that and then respond accordingly, right? So um, understanding that there's always that opposition to us coming together and then working to overcome that. That, that means understanding um, not only just being aware of what I'm going through as a man, but to also understand that my wife is facing 
a very similar level of opposition. And I think the misconception, the ongoing misconception is that the attack is solely on the black man, but as quiet as it's kept, there is a disproportionate of black women being imprisoned. There is a gross number of black women being killed and brutalized. And so this war isn't just on the black man, but it rather it's on the black family. You know, the, the, the whole black family and the black family structure. And then I'll close um, with the uh, comment that I think you made, Rhonda, where you said um, you, you were talking about what do we call ourselves? And, and I, you know, I, I think we, we've gone through so many different names. We were Negro, we were Black, we were African-American. And, and I think it's just important to recognize ourselves as a human family, you know, at particularly bonding around the, the commonality that we face. And so if, if there is a group of us or a segment of us that is facing opposition, you may call it oppression, you may call it modern day slavery, call it whatever you want. I'm just going to classify it as opposition. And, and there's a group of us that are, are facing a very similar level of opposition and then having respect for what the, the female might be dealing with and, and how she might respond to it, because we don't all respond in the same way. Just like me and brother DB might not respond in the same way, but you can best believe that we're facing a very similar opposition. And so just recognizing each other as a human family um, respecting the fact that we're all going through something um, and, and the, probably the greatest, it's like an iceberg, the greatest part of the pain, um, we only see maybe the outbursts, but we don't see like an iceberg, the, the, the bulk of that pain that's resting underneath that we hide so well by dressing nice and smiling and laughing and joking. You know, these are typically a lot of times they're coping mechanisms. Right. So um, without belaboring the point. Wow. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for that. I do. I do think that the the question is out there. So um, Keturah says, you know, she's basically given us a high five and a thumbs up. Thank you so much for tuning in. We sure appreciate you. Um, and then Nicole says, what does coming together look like to any of you? Right. What does coming together look like? I, I mean, I just happen to throw out there the term and what we call ourselves. And I do think it's important that we be really just recognizes being human beings, right? Just being people. But I also want to be recognized in a way that celebrates my diversity. I am not like everyone else. I am not like a Chinese American. I am not like a white American. I am different. And with that comes some wonderful strengths and talents and abilities. And I, I don't know why we can't just celebrate those differences that we all bring to the table. Right. It, it drives me a little nuts when people say, well, I don't see color. Well, what are you saying? What does that even mean? What do you mean you don't see color? Well, first of all, that's not true. I would hope unless you're colorblind, you see some type of color. You see something when we look when you look at me and when you look at me, that is based on your experience, your beliefs. You bring all of that to the table. So that's such an important thing for me. I want to be celebrated for being different. I don't want to have to. What's that quote out there that says, why are you trying so hard to fit in when you were born to stand out? Right. We are born to stand out. So, DB, I'm going to come to you and I want you to just touch on Nicole's question. What does coming together look like? And then you can tag on anything else that you've heard in this conversation. Okay, you know, so for me, first thing I think we all have to do is we have to kind of refresh our feelings. And we got to start spending more time looking in the mirror than looking outside the window. 
And what I mean by that is very easy to, like Brother Vaughn said, to look at what everybody else is doing and saying, but we have our own responsibility. And when I used to work at Juvenile Hall, you know, we used to have like big groups of young men that we used to put them on what they call them squares, but basically stand them in front of us. And a lot of times they'd be chattering, right, waiting for us to give them directions. And so we used to have the same, we used to say like, okay, you guys talking is dead, right? Meaning we want the whole group to be quiet. But without a doubt, somebody will still be talking and then the next person be like, shh, be quiet, man, so we can go. And then, shh, you be quiet, you be quiet. And then it just gets noisy again. And we used to condition them to say, listen, all you have to do is be quiet. And if everybody is quiet, then the group is quiet. Right. So I'm going to take that to another level. And like if all of us are working on being the best version of ourselves, then when we show up together, we're that much stronger. And I feel like like if we if you know, if we're sports fans or we're part of a sorority or a fraternity or whatever, like when you see somebody else from that team or that organization or a company you work for, you almost naturally like it. There's a camaraderie. Right. Like because you guys are all believing or representing the same thing. I don't think as a black culture, right, we see each other that way. And when I say refresh our memory, that you don't have to know nothing else about another black person. When you see them, you should lead with love. Yes, we sir. should get back to checking on each other. The brothers with the nods, no matter what, where we're at, and the sisters with the, I see you, right? We, I mean, and that's just a very basic thing to do. Like, it doesn't cost anybody any money. You don't have to just start being excited about seeing each other. And when you see one of each other struggling, offer some help. If they're not ready, we're not going to be mad at you because we know everybody's not ready. We're going to keep it pushing. But if you circle back around and you're ready, we're here. And I think that when the question is how do we come together one one we also we all got to be um honest about how we feel about the culture right because like you said Rhonda, with our beliefs our values and our life experiences you know people look at uh each other differently but to the point what Vaughn was saying about the human family you know it it's just like we gotta start fresh you know and we gotta see each other and we gotta lead with love and we have to improve our own individual statuses so that when we bring what we bring to the table, we bring it with strength, right? We bring it with unity, you know, and we bring it, we bring our resources together. And eventually we'll realize, because we seem to keep asking, right, for somebody to recognize us or mm. to give us some opportunity when we have it all right here. But of course, we know deep historically, right? We've been, you know, when they put, I seen a, a police officer uh, kind of venting the other day, a white police officer about the black on black crime. He's like, you have these big, you know, military style weapons on the streets in the hands of these criminals. And he was going off about it. And he was right. Like, you know, we do be killing each other. And, you know, but where did those guns come from? That's right. You know what I'm saying? When I was, you know, in the streets back in the 80s and early 90s and we had all this crack on the streets, where did it come from? You know, and when neighborhood I grew up in, there was no grocery stores. Right. But a bunch of liquor stores. 
right? And how could a dude slide up on my turf with 45 boxes of nine millimeters, like out the blue? Like, where does that come from? So we know that there's some systemic stuff that's happened, right? We know back in slavery, house Negro, field Negro, light-skinned versus dark-skinned. So we got to be honest that we've been kind of Jedi mind tricked to feel this way about each other. That's why I say we got to refresh our feelings. We got to get, we got to, you know what I mean? We got to control off delete. You know what I mean? We got to reboot and go, okay, y'all had us for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But from now on, moving forward, when I see my people, right, it's with love, it's with resources, and we're going to start from here. Other than that, we'll just keep having this conversation over and over and over again. And this is why it gets exhaustive. This is why it gets lost in the shuffle. And this is why people will just revert back to their little space and not care till something tragic again happens. So I do think, at least in my 47 years of living, this is a great opportunity Yep. to reset because the world is is open you got so much black lives uh black acknowledgement that i've ever seen before in my time so this is the time to bring together but it's gonna start with everybody looking in the mirror and being honest about where they sit you know how they've been behaving and obviously practicing emotional intelligence and every other skill that they've learned along the way so we can be better as a culture I love that. I think that's so important. So a little while back, Adele said, yes, it is our responsibility to be the change you want to, uh, you want to see. And so important that we're all able to, like you said, to refresh our feelings, to look in the mirror, understand how you're feeling and know that it starts with you. I was telling, um, I was having a conversation with someone the other day saying that it doesn't really matter um, uh, first, let me acknowledge Alice. Alice says, I'm watching. Hello, Alice. Uh, that's a new name I'm not used to seeing. So thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. And then uh, Carla says, while working in corporate America, how do you manage your emotions and still be the uh, example to others as a positive black man or black woman? So um, it's that's a that's an interesting topic, right? Vaughn's like Vaughn almost got out of his chair on that one, Carla. So uh, we definitely gonna let him respond to that. But you know what? I think it's just it's important that we do. I was saying to someone the other day that it's not so much. It doesn't really matter what you think of me. That's really not my business, right? And we've talked about that before on this show. It is not my business what you think about me. What is the challenge is when you are in a position of power and authority to exert your own will and beliefs um, and use that to negatively impact others. That's what we've got to deal with, right? That's the institutional part that we've got to rise up. We have to be, yes, like we said on the show uh, last week, um, uh, Tamikia, our guest on the show last week said, yes, we've got to be, we got to get more black cops. Yeah, you got to go to the dark side. You got to go on the other side. We need more of us to be black cops. We need more attorneys. We need more black judges. We need more black CEOs, you know, of more than the, what is it? 1% of black CEOs that uh, represent Fortune 500 companies and things like that. We have to get a seat at the table. And so as we talk about the seat at the table and we go to Carla's point, it's a perfect segue. And I'm gonna to come to you first on this, Roz. While working in corporate America, how do you manage your emotions and still be the example uh, to others? And then I'm gonna go I'm gonna to go to Vaughn so that he can answer this because Vaughn's got something to say about this. So Roz, let me let me get your thoughts in on this. I was I was gonna let Vaughn out the gate because he looked like a horse in the Kentucky Derby. He is no, I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead. 
<laughs> I can get excited about all this kind of stuff. So go ahead, don't mind me. Oh, yeah, you you just lit up like the Fourth of July. But you know, it you know to to uh, address a question, I've I've worked in corporate America, and uh, we you know we've talked about how we were raised, and and and, and I'm gonna go back to my parents, and this and this is nothing to to say this was against them, but this is what they were taught, and so they passed it on to me. When you're in Rome, you do like the Romans do. You know, you dress a certain way, you look a certain way, you talk a certain way, you act a certain way. You are not supposed to have the identity other than the vision of the company. However, you can have the vision of the company and still have, you know, uh, suggestions on how to improve. You still can show your emotions. You still can have your identity, but you don't have to lose your identity when you go into these settings. And I think that's what has happened. You know, that's what had happened to me when I first got in corporate America. I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't be as vocal as I am now. I wouldn't be, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be the Ross. But, you know, as things evolved, as I saw things, I had to speak up. Now, I didn't go, you know, I didn't have the big picket signs and I didn't, you know, do all of that. But I did go and express my opinions to my boss. Oh, I did go and express it. If we had meetings, I, you know, I use, I use the platforms that I had to get things across. You know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't, you know, do a, you know, a, a workout or a picket or a boycott or anything like that. But you know, as individuals, as as someone said earlier, you know, we have individual responsibilities. We have levels of responsibilities, and and you know, that goes back to that. We can do it in the same thing that we're talking about now. We can do it in corporate America. Right. You know, we can address the boss. We can address the person who we, we had the issue with. And if not, then, you know, you also have HR. So there's ways to handle this so that not only that your voice can be heard, but also to hopefully that the situation can also change. And here's Vaughn. Let him go. <laughs> I had to bring up Adele's comment. That was so cool. Thank you, Adele. Yes. She's like, hold your horses, Vaughn. We're coming to you. It's awesome. But what I love is your passion because there was a physical, right? A, a physical response when this question came up because it's such an important one. There are so many of us out there in corporate America. And I think, Carla, we have an opportunity. As DB said, this is an opportunity that's before us. I have been looking at all of the responses coming out from corporate leaders. This is not okay. This needs to change. We're pledging to fight. We're standing up for our black colleagues. We're promoting diversity. All of these things I have never seen before. I've never seen this before. So was it a tragic situation? Absolutely. Is there an opportunity before all of us emerging from it? I do believe so. So uh, over to you, Vaughn. You know, I got a little excited as much about what I was hearing more so than what I necessarily had to say. Um, I just I'm just enjoying the conversation. But uh, one thing that does bother me is the blame game. You know, we have so many of our men and women. I mean, we are fighting each other more than we're fighting the common enemy. And and, and that's destructive. I mean, I don't, I don't know how, you know, it's like, you know, if you if you're driving down the road and you get a flat tire, and then all three of the tires that are still good, they're, they're pointing at the one tire that's flat. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. The, pro the point is we got to get the other tire back up 
so that we can get the vehicle moving in the right direction. And we're that vehicle that's sitting on however many flats you want to call it. But until we get these flats restored, we can't get moving in the right direction. Hmm. So, so one, again, I mean, that, oh my God, it just, it, it bothers me so bad to, yeah, I, I have conversations regularly with other men who say, well, if black women did this and single motherhood that, you know, they blaming single mothers, they blaming black women. And then on the other side, I, I hear black women saying, well, black men ain't doing this and that. And again, I mean, we're all facing the same common opponent. And until we get that through our minds and, and then respond accordingly in unison, I don't know that any of these conversations are very fruitful. Yeah, and that's that's tough. And so, um, so Chris, hey, Chris, thanks for tuning in. Chris is out there. Chris says, great. And then Adele says, as an educator, my hope is that there will be more cultural diversity training in our schools for educators and students. Um, and as Tamikia said on the last show uh, in corporate America, they've got to hire people to come in and have these conversations. Don't put that responsibility on the one black person in the office to educate everyone else in the office on how black history and how they should treat black people and all of those things. And so it's such an important point um, that we do have to come together. So um, uh, Mario, I'm gonna come to you and then Marae, I'm gonna come to you for your thoughts on the topic. Just expanding on, on the thing you said, Rhonda, about um, corporate leaders coming out and, and saying that they're enraged about what happened in that whole piece. You know, it's easy to come out and say that as a, as a, as a mouthpiece in the organization. The question is, are you going to be the change? Are you going to be the change that, that you say you want to see? Unfortunately, in the corporate, in, in the corporate arena, many, many times it is lily white. I know it's not fashionable to say that, but you know what? They don't see black people. Very on, on, on the majority, on the vast majority of Fortune 500 companies at the top, we're not represented. Mm. We're not represented. So while they come out with, the, with, with and be vocal about, well, this shouldn't happen and I shouldn't be enraged, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because you gave a few million dollars to a cause, is, is that what you're going to do? Are you going to integrate at the top? like we should so that we can be represented so that some of this this injustice can stop right what are you going to do so so when we think about corporate leaders and we and we see them come out and unfortunately we see we've seen we've seen in these last couple of weeks we've seen people come out they never had any black people around them before <laughs> all of a sudden you got two black people standing in the back of you what the what <laughs> Is it, is it a facade or do you really mean it? So I go back to, to, to what one of the speakers said earlier. What are we going to do in November? It's fresh now. Yep. But what are we going to do a year from now? Are you integrating at the top? You're not going to make me believe there's not any talented people, brown, black, whatever you want to call it, all, all the, the, the acronyms that they have, that they, that, that they call us. You're not going to tell me that we're not talented enough to hold those spots. But it's only when we can we can integrate and we can get in that we can be the change that we want to see. Right. So we got to be faithful with what we have, right? He that is faithful is faithful with little is faithful with much. So we got to be faithful with the little so that we can be awarded the much and we can exact change because it takes an economic proclivity in order to exact that change. It takes money. 
takes money, big money. And we, we need to be able to command that. Wow. Oh my gosh, guys, this is, this is incredible. Like I'm sitting here getting chills on this conversation because it's so powerful and it's so needed. And this is about us, right? So this is about us getting a seat at the table and how do we get that seat at the table? So you're right, all those corporate folks and all those, that, that's all great. And in fact, I've been saving some of them just because I find it so fascinating that everyone is coming out with these statements. There was one gentleman from the board, and I think, I forget which board it was, but he actually resigned his position on the board so that a black person would have an opportunity to step up because he looked around the board and he said, you know what, there are no, we don't have any diversity on this board. So I'm going to step down and I'm going to open up a spot so that someone else can take it. It is that kind. That is putting your money where your mouth is. Now, will they award that spot to a black person? Who knows? But at least... He came forward. We can also, there is the the senator when we talk about, you know, call us black, brown, African-American, or you can call us maybe colored people like the senator just did the other day that now he's facing all the backlash because he's like, the, maybe the colored people don't wash their hands enough and that's why they get more COVID. That's a whole different conversation, right? But you're showing your colors when you open your mouth sometimes. But anyway, all of that to say, it's such a powerful point. And I'm going to come to Murray and then I want to talk about two things. I want to pivot to the economic aspect of this issue because I've been saying the reason we are in this situation is because we don't have a seat at the table and we have no, no seat at the table because we have no economic power. We have money but we don't come together and leverage our economic power as a people. So before I do all of that, let me just acknowledge a couple of comments. Uh, we've got Carla who says we need to be positive change agents. Take your seat at the corporate table. Absolutely. Ron says training on what's right and what's wrong um, is what we need. Linda's, uh, Lydia says, unfortunately, we are often our own worst enemies when we are often the only one seated at the, exec the table of the executive leadership. We pull up the ladder behind us instead of pulling others up. Such a powerful point. We touched on that earlier. How do we bring others up with us? So true, now you're flanked, but previously not a speck of pepper to be seen. <laughs> now, now it is being sprinkled. Yeah, there's some pepper being sprinkled out there. And because of that, people think, oh, you're fine. What? What are you talking about? There's no issue. Um, Serena, uh, that's who just did that. Thank you um, uh, for helping me with that. Serena uh, Williams's husband is the one that stepped down on the board um, so that uh, someone else can step in. And then uh, Cheryl says, I agree. Training is needed. What I always struggle with is the action that comes after the training. How are organizations really inspecting to ensure that chain? Oh, my gosh. You know what, Nicole? We don't have enough hours in the day to go over that, but thank you for bringing that up. So yeah, and uh, Serena Husbands who just stepped down from Reddit board. Thank you so much. See, I love you guys. You're filling in the blanks for me and then awesome point, Lydia. So um, over to you, Marae, as you talk about, as we talk about sort of the economics of this. And, mm -hmm. and, I, wanted, and I wanted to segue this into family because we talked earlier about the change has to start with us. We know we need to improve our economic power as a group of people, as a body of human beings. How do we do that? And how do we do that with all of your children and your wives? And what are you doing in your own lives to make that happen? How about that for a twist? So to you first, Marae. Yeah, I think the, the family structure is essential. And, and, and that's where it starts, you know, uh, as, you know, as parents, 
when we have children, we have to make sure that we, we give them all the tools, all the values that we, we want to see, you know, in, in them. And we want to see in the corporate world or everywhere they're going to be. Because if you don't have this structure, you're just going to repeat the same thing. And, and I think that's what's happening in a lot of, uh, in, in a, it's, it's even happening also in Africa, where, you know, you we don't really value this structure and we don't take it as the the first school basically for children and uh, where they're going to learn everything and and it has to it, it, we have to look at all at all levels i mean it's not just about uh, you know giving them food and you know and having the value there's also the economic aspect i don't know i actually don't know a lot of people who actually take the time to sit down with their children and you know teach them how you know to manage money how to you know uh, create something and not just you know uh, what's happening right now what you know they're telling you okay you're going to go to school and then you're going to become i don't know a doctor or anything but they never actually uh, a lot of them never actually sit down and say okay you know you can also you know start something yourself and you know they are structured. They, they you know they, they are a way to to learn about it, and and then you 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 start to be less dependent, and you start to be more outcoming, and you start to build something instead of waiting for somebody else or the government or anybody to to give you the opportunity to uh, to, to to make money or to build your life. And and I think it's it's tough there. Some of the, edu the education system in some, you know, I, I don't know about America, I've never lived there, but the education system in some of those countries where we're stuck is, is really, you know, is really the, the, the problem for, for a lot of children and also parents coming from, from this same system are actually perpetuating all of this. And it, it becomes very difficult, you know, when you, you work for a corporation to come and ask for something because you've never actually been used to that. Right. Uh, you've never been used to that. So it, it becomes very challenging for you because you're still waiting for somebody to do something for you. Right. And, and, and I think it's, it's about time that, you know, we realize that we're not going to get those positions because they are there and, and it's... They, that's the way that they can control us. So we have to come and you know have a strategy to 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 be able to create our own tables yep. because that's where we're going to have control. That's where we're going to put the the rule in place that are going to help us to have a sustainable economy yeah. and, and really you know promote peop the people that we want to promote. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna give you this power. Nobody, because they know that's the power that actually allow them to control to control us. So we have to sit down, strategize, and it has to start with our children to 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 be able to you know uh, create a system where we know that we're gonna create our own tables and we're gonna bring like you know like we said the ladder. We're gonna put the ladder and get people to keep you know, going up. And I think that's the only way because nobody's going to give me, give us anything anyway. I've worked, you know, I've worked in a lot of multinational and as a black woman, you get stuck, you get stuck. And that's why I, I created my own table because I got stuck irrespective of the value that I was bringing to the company, million, do, million of dollars. 
the company and seeing other people out, you know, outgrowing you and you're stuck there. So you, at some point you have to say, okay, I mean, that's not the, the system where I'm gonna, I'm gonna progress. So I need to find a way to create my own table and I'm doing well. So you have to you know, take those risks. I know it's, it's hard sometimes, but you have to be able to take risks and you have to be able to understand that you know, nobody is going to leave. Is going to leave his share, or is going to give you its share at the table. You have to create your own table at some point. So, Marie. So, what I hear you saying, okay, people, listen up, because I'm going to share a secret right now. Right? Mm -hmm. This is a this is the the secret that we're unlocking right now. Black people, no one is coming to save us. That's right. No exactly. one is coming to save oh, us. It will be us that saves us, right? So stop asking them. I love the way you put that, Marae, because basically what we're doing by asking for a seat at the table is saying, hey, will you share your power with me? I'm not sharing my power with you. I happen to enjoy having all this power. So anyway, I'm going to go through a few comments and then I'm going to come to DB and get his thoughts on the situation. So Adele says, uh, someone, oh, she thought someone was talking over you. We, um, Our money is not being used as leverage. We are powerful, but we must move as one unit. Absolutely. We have work to do, um, Cheryl, in that area. We have we've got to do better with understanding how to build economical wealth together to ensure we have a seat together. I'm telling you, that is the place we need to begin with our economic power. And Milton says in America, money speaks. No money, no voice. Only when white America's money is threatened, will they hear it. That's why the riots got their attention. Milton, first of all, thank you for joining. Your name looks new to me. So thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate uh, that. And that's what we've been talking about. The reason the riots were not what we all desired as people sitting back watching. We don't want them to think of us this way. This isn't the answer. However, what did it do? We start threatening money. We start threatening businesses and all of a sudden everybody started listening. They started perking up. So everything, whether we agree with it or not personally, things have their purpose. So um, the economic issue and fam the family unit matters. DB, what say you? So for me, this saying comes to mind that uh, a bird is never concerned about the branch that he or she lands on because the faith is not in the branches in his wings. Mm. We don't have faith in our wings. Mm. We put a lot of faith in other people's branches. So we're always, so for some reason, Nike seems like this huge thing that only this guy accomplished. Like all these big companies, like another human started it. They didn't just come out of nowhere. Like a conversation like this, right? Mark Zuckerberg in the room, he has an idea. Some people believe in it, some people don't. He believes in himself. He makes one of the biggest platforms in the world. If you look at every person, every corporation, whatever, Hilton, Marriott, they're all people, right? They're all started by somebody. And so we got to believe in ourselves the exact same way. The asset, the skill you're trying to bring to a corporation say, let me have a seat, can build your own table, especially now more than ever. And what we have to do, again, back individually, get individually get strong. So when we line up, 
when we in, you know, when we come together, it's that much stronger. And it's like, you know how black folks is. All you gotta do is, you know what I mean, is demonstrate and show, right? If I, if anybody on here was telling me about an opportunity and you showed me that it was working, first thing we're gonna do, we wanna know is how we get in, right? right? But if you're not really showing anything, if you're not leading by example, then we quick to also dismiss each other. That's just something, just how we are. So we gotta get our, back to the economic, we gotta get our money up. We gotta create businesses quality businesses not just any fly-by-night business businesses that you know we got to buy like the brother mario said we got to buy up property right we gotta you gotta have diverse portfolios right we gotta you know and again back to the opportunity right because i'm seeing a lot of emails about we got 550 million for black businesses we got you ought to be applying for every one of them yep right get that caboose you know what i'm saying and then but then don't go blow it but sit back, strategize where it can be leveraged, right? And the more we start putting value in ourselves, I was working for, you know, um, so I was one of those guys, just quick, like I was a, I was a four-time felon. From age 13 to 23, I was in and out of jail. 24, I got an opportunity to change my life by a judge that gave me an opportunity to do something better in my life. I ended up getting those felonies reduced and dismissed. So I ended up going and working at the same probation office um, uh, department where I did all my time. So I ended up being that from going from an ex-felon to being a peace officer. And I'm telling you guys this for a reason. In that space, I ended up working side by side with the same officers used to lock me up. Yeah. In a short period of time, I became their supervisors. Yeah. By the end of my career, I became the assistant superintendent. I was supervising 100 officers, 20 supervisors, and 10 managers. Coming from somebody who was locked up there. 16 years in the business, different chiefs, right? They come in about every three or four years. A chief came in that totally disrupted all the work we have been done, doing. And this chief did not see the value of the work that I was doing. And a lot of people got in the space, they're filing grievances, they go into EEOC and all that, all that energy. And for me, it was like, oh, this is what we're doing? I know my value. If it doesn't align with you, I know this, and the reason why I brought it up, how I got there, because by all accounts, that was my dream career, right? By all accounts, like that was the story. You don't see it act a felon, right? Get his felons dismissed go back and become a peace officer and then rise like like that was supposed to be the story so to speak and had i subscribed to that i'd be in there complaining i'd be miserable right now Try i recognized quickly that okay we're not aligned no more this is not my department it's just a job even though people try to pump you up because you're a hometown hero so it's like you got the good job you know and everybody pump you up yeah. and it's just a job now, I'm going to close with this. I was getting up for them folks. I didn't have to be to work till 8 o'clock. I'd get there at 6.30. I stayed three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours afterwards. I was very passionate about my work. We were serving youth. It was all our people. I was helping people get promoted. Love what I do, hands down. I mean, I car ain't parked before I'm jumping out. I'm ready to get in and be part, you know, of the, the institution. I want to help families who normally couldn't get access. It was one of, I was serving my part. 
But the minute, right, that they stopped valuing me, I went down to the retirement board. I was like, what does it take for me to get out of here right now? they like, oh, no, you can't leave. You're not old enough. Shit. How was, what does it take? Don't tell me I can't. What does it take? What, you got to do this. You're going to lose that. I ain't talking about what I'm going to lose. What do I got right now? Right. Right. I come from nothing. You know what I mean? All I need is a little something. Right. And from there, five years, I've been a full time entrepreneur, consultant. Made Every year, I've made double what I was doing working there. Now, what's my point? The exact same energy I was given to the department, I just gave to myself. Mm. Right? I get up every day and I grind just like I grind for them. And I get results on my own term. Next thing to do is to start to duplicate and scale and create opportunities for other people. But I had to lead by example first. And it takes a little bit of time. So to everybody's point who's thinking about we don't forget their tables. Right. If we have you have to be working right now, you just in there to me gathering information, right? Getting, you know what I mean? Like you scoping how they do things, right? You like you just infiltrating. You know what I'm saying? I'm in there hacking. What y'all do? Okay, that worked, that worked. So when I'm ready to step out, I can see the things that's already time tested. I ain't gotta why I gotta reinvent the wheel. But the ultimate goal is to create our own, spend our money with our own as much as possible. Right. And then things will be different because we do have a strong threshold in the economy. Right. We spend probably the most money. Right. But you look at other cultures. Right. We all know this. Their dollar circulates several times before it leaves. So back to our mindset, back to refreshing our feelings, back to looking in the mirror before we look out the window. But once we reprogram ourselves to see the bigger picture, to see how dope we really are and stop asking people right to validate our dopeness because we know they love us that's why they they emulate everything we do and we know we dope because every time we step into a space no matter where we at we dominate it anywhere you work when you was in there you was the guy or the woman like you know this right they they can't even figure out how you flow the way you do so we just gotta believe in ourselves right put down all the nonsense and i'm gonna end with this we got to stop because black folks, and I'm, yep, I'm generalizing this. When we have a little problem with each other, we throw the whole damn relationship away immediately. Yep. Right? We got to get better at that. Right? If I, you know, if we misstep, all right, my bad, Vine, come back. We'll talk about it later. Right? I don't got to just be like, I don't fool with Vine no more. I was on this show with him and he said this. And I don't, as soon as somebody disagree with something, like, throw the whole relationship away. Yep. Right? We got to get better again at loving each other. Right, because we're in this together now, just like those people who root for their teams. Right out here, I'm in Oakland. Right, got diehard Raider fans, and the Raiders suck. Right, their damn tagline is committed to excellence, and they don't win shit. Excuse my language. But Raiders fans go crazy. Like every Sunday, they they'll line up for you know for two days. So can we get that same energy as being part of the black culture as you do for a team or for an organization you work for you pump all these multi-level marketing companies but they're not black owned but you sweating everybody you and everybody inbox you know you put all these posts you show rep we represent other people so strong and proudly so what does that say about us why is it that we don't love us right and that's where it got to start so i think the sooner we do that like old school saying sooner we do that better off we'll be Woo-hoo. 
That was awesome. I loved it. So we got some comments out there. Lydia says, we have failed to understand the importance of leaving a legacy for the next generation and our future lineage in our communities. Our children must start at the beginning, void of any direction and strategy as we approach economics and wealth. That is huge, Lydia. We have got to sit our children down. Listen, my, ch my grandchildren are not going to be very happy with me because for their birthdays, they're getting stocks or cryptos. Choose one. What do, what do you want? Because I'm not buying no baby dolls and all that. Leave that to your mamas and other people. I'm building wealth in our community. They're going to be like, Grandmama, what's a crypto exactly? Go look it up because that's what you're getting. Or you can have a stock. Take your choice. That's what I'm doing now. <laughs> that is my commitment. Uh, Alice says, say that, DB. Carla said, DB, great testimony, words of wisdom. See past their expectations. Absolutely. And Elaine was just cracking up. She just thought the whole thing was awesome and funny. So, so you know what? We're going to start our closing round because we're already, I knew this episode was going to go long and I appreciate everyone hanging in there with us and Mario's back. All right. We'll get Mario back up in here. Um, so as we start our closing round, let's just go around and share your words of wisdom. So whether it's the economical um, structure and where we are, whether it's the family unit and really focusing on that, uh, whether it is self-love and the ability that we have to start with ourselves to be our best version, um, whatever you want to touch on in closing this conversation, um, let's do that. So we're going to start with the ladies first because I'm going to close on the powerful note of the men on this pre-Father's Day season finale edition of Coffee with Rhonda. Boy, that was a mouthful of Coffee with Rhonda. So uh, let's start with the ladies first. Marae, I'll start with you and then I'll come to you, Roz. Okay, so it's been it's been a really you know interesting uh, discussion, and uh, and I, I mean we've been saying it. It starts with us. Uh, we can you know we can be high on emotion, negative about what's happening around us, but it starts with us to really you know pause and understand who we are and where we want to go. And you know, as parents, I think we have to set those you know, the, the, all the, the you know the, the basis. For the and lead the way, you know, and show, you know, them the way to go so that we can create this legacy that we, we were talking about. Because, you know, it's not about, it's not just about us. It's about, you know, a legacy that we want to leave. And it has to be sustainable. Whatever we're doing, it has to be sustainable. We have to be very strategic, you know, because I, I think most of the time we get stuck into our emotions and we forget about, you know, uh, sitting down and really focusing on what we have control on instead of focusing on what we can't control and asking for what we can't control and waiting for people to do it for us. So we have to make sure we focus on what we can control for a sustainable future. And I, and I think when we, we've done that, we, we'll be in, in, in shape to, to really, you know, uh, bring everything to everybody together and and really you know leave this legacy that we want to leave to our children and our grandchildren wow thank you so much marae so um carla said Rhonda, you need a part two of this conversation carla i'm out of time the season's over i may have to <laughs> may have to do a special edition or something i don't know we'll be thinking about that but before we go any further <clears throat> let's do our post-production shot so if everybody will grab their mug or a cup or whatever it is and hold it up. I got to get mine in a place where you can see it. 
Cheese. All right, big smiles. Good stuff. Wonderful, that'll be our post-production shot. And so now let's come to Roz and then we're gonna close with the fellas. I'm, I'm gonna tag on what uh, uh, Mariah was saying. We have got to leave generational wealth. We have got to leave, leave a legacy. And one, one of the big things that I talk about all the time is Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin had an opportunity to leave a legacy. She left a mess. She didn't leave a will. She didn't have any of that. And now coming up two years, August, she's been dead for two years. Her stuff is still in probate. You have someone deciding where her money's gonna go when she had the opportunity to decide. We still have the opportunity to decide where our money is gonna go. We still have the opportunity to have a legacy left behind. And all of us were saying, it starts with us. It starts with us. Leave behind the money, leave behind the property, you know, um, get these life insurances, do the carrot bars, do the encrypto, do whatever it is is necessary. Stop letting the money go to the court. Stop letting the money go to these probate judges, probate attorneys. Let me shut up. But anyway, let's leave a let's leave a legacy and 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 <laughs> let me take a lot. Okay, next. <laughs> it's called the trust. Get a trust, people. Keep your keep your stuff out of probate. Get a trust and make sure that your family is well cared for in a way that is unreproachable. Okay. If you don't know about a trust, because most black people don't, because they think a trust is only for rich people. I have learned a ton in my um, uh, black business leadership, um, black business mastermind group here about trust. Check it out. Okay. Alice says, thank you uh, all for each eye opener. Great information. Cheryl says a special edition is needed on this topic. All right, y'all, but this special edition, y'all trying to get me in some trouble here. No legacy, no future. Absolutely. And no money, no seat at the table. And you can't even build your own table if you ain't got none. So how about that? So let's go now. Um, we're going to close with the guys. Mario, let's start with you. What, would, what do you want to share as we wrap up this conversation? You know, first I want to say DB got so hot, my internet, internet connection went south. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready to hit the unmute button and, and, and come in and amen myself. DB, yeah. you just do the doggone thing, man. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, so, you know, when, when we, as we wrap this up, you know, what I would have to leave with everybody is, is self love. We got to start with the person in the mirror. And it's unfortunate that many of us haven't been taught how to love ourselves. Mm. And, you know, we teach people how to teach, how to treat us by the way we treat ourselves. So I asked the audience, are you, tr are you being fair to you? Because if you're not being fair to you, if you're not being equitable to you, how do you expect those around you to treat you right? How do you expect those around you to be equitable and fair to you if you're not fair to yourself? So we gotta be fair to the person in the mirror, okay? Um, we ne never need to underestimate our value. We need to understand the greatness on the inside of us. There's greatness on the inside of us. We have to spend time tapping into that part of us on the inside that is limitless, that doesn't have a limit because there's something on the inside of you. There's greatness on the inside of you. We just got to be careful about the systems and processes and people that we allow around us. 
because what what's around us gets in us Ooh. and what we think about we bring about mm. so we got to protect the heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life out of the heart it's the production center and we got to put a guard on our mouth we got to get away from what comes up comes out you got to put a guard on your mouth because there's a prophecy. You are a prophet. You are a prophet. So are you speaking life to your life or are you speaking death to your life? You're the prophet. You're the mastermind. There's a piece of God on the inside of you that is limitless. And we have to we have to tap into that insatiable piece on the inside so that we can walk in that greatness and we can create that table. And then we sit at the, we're masterminds that sit at the front of the table. So my only hope is that this platform could grow, Rhonda. It's just, it's just, it's been the best Saturday morning I had in a long time. <laughs> so I appreciate you and all of the guests. It just has, has been a privilege as well as an honor coming on the show. And I hope that we've said something that sparks the inside of the people that are listening. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Mario. That was awesome. And I know that everyone out there listening, I hope you all were taking notes today because there were some good nuggets laid down here today that we don't want you to miss. So now here comes Carla. Yes, bonus edition is required. Listen, y'all, y'all trying to get me in trouble with this extra edition, season's done. I don't know, I need to tell my producer, hey, we need another show. Um, anyway, uh, Lydia says, be careful for what we allow, we encourage. And so, yes, yeah, she is co-signing Mario. She is speaking to you. Uh, Elaine says, amen. Distinguished voice has given us all kind of emojis. I, I see some raspberries or something there, or some grapes or something. I don't know what those are. And then Iris says, look in the mirror and do inventory for positive change. So um, amen from Alice. Nicole, you're preaching now, Brother Mario. Uh, so you have definitely said something out there. And Alice says, bless you all. <sighs> all right. So let's come to Vaughn and then DB. We're going to let you wrap us up today. So Vaughn, what, what do you have to say out there? And how? Um, what words of wisdom do you want to leave uh, for everyone out there? Yeah. Uh, man, these brothers lit it up. Uh, <laughs> you know every nation has a boogeyman and unfortunately America has decided that we are it you know the black man and woman black man and woman and child specifically the black family is the boogeyman for America and so there will never be enough seats at the table at their table because America is not structured so that we can succeed America doesn't look to empower its boogeyman right and so operating from within that understanding we got to do what we got to do. Now, here's what that means. Every ethnic group is the largest employer of its own ethnic group. Mm -hmm. That means Asians employ more Asians than anybody else employing Asians. That means white folk are more employing more white folk than anybody else are employing white folk. Same thing with Hispanics, except for us. We are the only group who is not its own largest employer. That means being more self-sufficient to the theme that's been going on, right? So what does that look like? That means you owe it to not only to yourself, but you owe it to your children. You, we owe it to our entire collective to, to go out of our way, if it means that, to support black businesses. I, go out of my, I will go all the way across town 
for the one gas station that is black owned so that I can fill my car up. I look online, any I, I found black people that produce laundry detergent. I got black owned toothbrushes. I mean, my watch, I mean, Rolex is nice, but this uh, this Banneker piece right here, I, you know what I mean? It's just the list goes on. And so we have to be purposeful and not only purposeful, but diligent within that purpose to ensure that we are self-sufficient. Um, what else did I have? I, I think that is, I don't know, I, I'm not going to go on. I mean, I, I think everything that needs to be said has been said, um, but yeah support as much as you possibly can um, other black people other black businesses and i think that is probably the greatest single gift that we can give to to our resurrection if you want to call it that i love that bond and it's so it's so important um i see lots of lists coming up today lists of black uh businesses near you there are apps now that are coming out that you know will allow you to to find a uh, black business because that's the other thing is we're a little bit hidden Right. We're sort of buried under there. We don't even know. Like, I don't I look I tried to find black businesses in my area and was just struggling. I'm like, where are they? I don't I know they're here somewhere. But so we've got to fix that. We've got to get front and center. We've got to be loud and proud about who we are, what we stand for um, and just lifting each other up so that we can actually find each other. Uh, to support the black businesses near us. But I love that. Go out of your way to do that. That is a piece of reflection, I think, for all of us. So, um, DB, uh, your closing thoughts. All right. So thank you again, uh, everybody, with your time and all this wisdom and good energy. You know, like Mario, uh, like I said, I came in a little sluggish this morning, uh, <laughs> but I'm fully energized and I'm ready to uh, transfer that energy into the day. Uh, two things I'll say, you know, so because there's folks who will watch this, who's watching now and will watch later and they may still be on the space. OK, well, what what can I do? Right. Folks will always struggle with that. And I would challenge folks to just simply think about the thing that you do well. Right. With least resistance thing that you love to do, whatever it is cooking, putting stuff together, uh, you like keeping things clean or whatever it is, because whatever gift you have, there's a monetary value to it because somebody else can't do it. So whatever it is that you, so it's like for me, you put me in front of a crowd of a thousand people, I'm going to talk all day. You ask me to hang up some blinds, I'm going to be up there with the instructions up here, tools missing. I can't put blinds up. I can't. I get nervous when a box come and he's talking about putting something together. <laughs> I'm stuck, right? But my brother, on the other hand, he don't even need instructions. Like he just throws stuff together, right? So my point is that whatever you are naturally good at, there's a monetary value to it because somebody else can't do it. And so develop that skill, right? Let people know that you have that skill. You might you 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 never know how much how quickly that can form into a company. There are there are tons of success stories about someone who started on a small level, didn't even realize it had value until people was like, oh, you do that? I need that too. I need that too. So I would tell people to don't be afraid to look at the thing because you all we all have a gift. Some of us just haven't unwrapped it yet. And then I will close by saying, <clears throat> if you have any level of consciousness of you know your blackness, at some point you've thought about your ancestors. 
right? You've had a, a conversation about our ancestors and what they have been through for us to get here. And that is a very um, sensitive conversation for some. Um, it, it's, it's one that people don't really like to talk about, but I want to bring a new conversation. One day, we are going to be the ancestors. Like in 3030, right? we ain't going to be here. But in 3030, there's going to be a whole population of people. And you have to ask yourself, what are you leaving behind that's going to help folks that we're no longer here. We, this, this video right here is going to be part of history. A hundred years from now, they're going to discuss, somebody's going to discover this and go, damn, that's what they were thinking back then. Oh, okay. Like the same way we have to look back on our history, our Black Wall Street, our, you know what I mean, our, all our Booker T. Washington, all the things to say, like, you know, Madam C.J. Walker, you know, if you was a woman trying to start a business and you had, you look back and see she did it way back then, like that's encouraging, like, oh, I know I can do it. And so I think that we need to take that in perspective, that we will be the ancestors one day. And what will you leave behind? And I'll, um, I'll, I'll drop the mic right there. Awesome. Thank you so much, DB. This has just been a heartwarming and authentic and wonderful, inspiring and uplifting conversation. So I appreciate every single one of you. You know, I, as I've listened to the conversation, several things um, really come to mind for me that are takeaways, that are, um, you know, areas that I would ask us all to reflect on ourselves and how we're managing these aspects in our own lives. Um, the first one being the economic aspect. What are we teaching our children? They are not going to teach them how to build wealth. They teach us how to get jobs and how to pay bills. Right? Did y'all hear that? They are not teaching us how to build wealth. They are teaching us how to get jobs and how to pay bills. That is not okay, but we can be the ones that decide that that's not okay. And in that instance, teach our uh, children to do something else. Teach them what it means to build wealth, to have your money work for you instead of you always working for it. That's what we've got to do. We've got to be willing to step out there. The support for each other is huge take is a huge takeaway from this conversation. I love when DB said earlier, if something goes wrong between you and a black entrepreneur or another black person, we don't throw the whole relationship away. Step away, get your mind right, do the emotional intelligence thing right, and then come back to the table in a way that's positive, productive, and that allows the conversation to move forward. So that is key and critical. And the last piece that I'll speak to, because we didn't touch um, a lot on this, I think in terms of building that table, collaboration. Listen, this is another thing that we do as Black folks. We want to do it all by ourselves. For some reason, we fell under the Jedi mind trick that if we don't do it alone, then something's wrong with us. If you can't figure out how to make a million dollars by yourself, something's wrong with you. No, no, we need to do that together. So that table we're building, I'm gonna ask Vaughn to bring the tools because I'm not gonna ask DB. I'm gonna ask D DB to train my people, to come in and train my people on what needs to be done, right? I'm gonna ask Mario to come in and speak and inspire everyone around us. I'm gonna ask Ross to come in and help us do the organization and put the structure in place. And I'm gonna ask Marae to come in and to teach us how to be great. 
because she is the greatness engineer. That is what she does. That is her gift. I am bringing everybody in. And guess what? By doing that, that table is going to get huge. There's going to be room for all of us at the table. And we continue to grow and hire in our community and build the wealth. We are. We have to do it together. Don't look to be um, alone or to be a solopreneur, the chief only op officer in your business, the one that's trying to do everything because there is only one you. And when you do that, you love on you, you love on the others around you. And that is how we can begin to build up our community. So I am just inspired. Um, and so Elaine, uh, Elaine said, great show. Thank you all. Uh, Nicole said, I am full. Thank you for being authentic and purposeful. I have been taught today. So thank you for being my teacher. Uh, th I thank you for tuning in, uh, Nicole Alice. Uh, she says, that is for real, Rhonda. And then Lydia says, excellent. We need to consider more that a job just over broke. Yes, a job Ooh. is just over broke. Thank you, DB, <laughs> today on the shoulders of our ancestors who appear to accomplish more with less. What will be our legacy? DB, that point in, in 3030, what will be the legacy? Carla says powerful conversation with that, guys. We are going to end this episode and this season of the Coffee with Rhonda show. I'm so honored and grateful for all of you being here. Just because we're ending the season doesn't mean we're going away. So keep it right here. Same time, same station. We're going to run replays on the off season, but it's going to allow me to go out and find amazing people like Vaughn and Mario and DB to come on for next season. It's going to allow us to retool and get even better. We need a show intro. We need some music. We need all of these things that I get to work on in the off season. So thank you all for being a part of the family. So Mario, Vaughn and DB, you know, now, you know, you're now part of the family, right? This is a family that you don't ever get out of. So you will be a part of the coffee family forever. So thank you all so much. We're going to end on your comment. Blacknificent show. I love it. For all of my viewers, stay tuned. For everyone out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Keep watching the show and show your love. Like the YouTube station. And we'll see you back here soon. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.